Hi, I'm Stella and welcome to my podcast, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl arising Aramaic. This podcast is an offshoot of my project at the Pathways to Leadership, a program organized by the YWCA designed for single immigrant mothers who are new to Vancouver. I joined the program when I moved from Philadelphia with my two young boys in 2018 after walking away from an abusive relationship for years. And um, joining me today are Aubrey and Christina. The, the goal of this podcast is to share some of our personal experiences with emotional abuse, discuss the impact these relationships um, had on our lives, explore the different ways abusers work, and how we navigated, and eventually broke free. So um, the, the personal experience of the speaker should not um, replace professional advice. The goal here is to share a bit of our stories and perhaps reach someone out there who needs to know they are not alone and, and there is hope. So I'll start with you, Aubrey. Can you <laughs> tell us briefly about yourself? Well, um, I'm an author, writer, poet. Um, I'm currently a brand strategist at a marketing agency. I was in an abusive relationship for eight years, married for six of those. Um, and now I am uh, remarried and I also have a daughter. Yay. <laughs> All right, so Christina, could you please tell us a bit about yourself and your work, and of course, dive in and tell us what emotional abuse is. Oh, sure, so I'm a um, psychotherapist in private practice in Vancouver, and I have been working in this field for um, close to 20 years. I've worked specifically with women who have been impacted by gender-based violence, and I have also counseled children who were living with the impacts of having witnessed abuse. Um, in addition to my private practice and having done agency work, I'm also an instructor at a college in a counseling therapy program. Okay. So I think moving on to your <laughs> next question, yes. then you asked me, what is emotional abuse? And I think emotional abuse is often difficult to define, but it's definitely characterized by living with a person who is um, continuously criticizing you, blaming you, putting you down. So the difference is that with emotional abuse, the, there might not be sort of the physical experience, but there's a lot of the um, negative put downs. And so for people in that situation, and especially for women, they can often be start to experience anxiety, depression, and also feeling at, at times very helpless. So mm -hmm. it can be um, very overwhelming to be in that situation. Yeah. And um, so Aubrey, um, after I met you, um, I'll say this, so Aubrey has a book mm -hmm. titled, um, Did He Hit You? And someone did tell me about the book and said, look, um, I know this person from, you know, before way back and I don't believe her. I mean, if I didn't read the book, I would never have known what she went through. And we were 100% certain that it was all her. It couldn't have been the husband. He was, he was too good a person. So, I mean, how would you, like, what would you say are the identifiers in, in, in abuse? Like, how would you even identify? Because it is so hard. Um, <coughs> I think it comes down to intention. Um, there are lots of things that can happen in a relationship that um, can seem like, oh, that wasn't good or, or like, oh, that, that was, that was damaging to my emotional well-being but then there's a difference 
when it's emotional abuse and it's constant Mm -hmm. and their intention is to um, like bring you down, um, which is different than in a normal relationship when you accidentally run up against somebody else and you're both like doing life and like fumbling through and hurting other people um but you know unintentionally when it comes to abuse it's very intentional um and they are intentionally trying to um undermine who you are and especially um, when it comes to your emotions if it's consider if it's emotional abuse so i th- i think the the way that i've learned how to see that it is abuse is looking at the intentions um how to explain that <laughs> I mean you can explain it with your with your own experience you yeah um, so when my when my ex would like tease me um, it was to uh, point out things that he didn't like about me um, but he would just do it as like oh I'm just joking I'm just joking and I quick like I didn't quickly realize it but I realized it after that I left him that the jokes weren't jokes he was serious um, all of those things that he was teasing me about, joking, whatever, he actually meant them. Like, that's that's what he actually did think about me. So I realized that there's a lot of people show who they are and a lot of their truth um, in what they joke about or what they find funny um, and how they talk about other people. So um, for me, with him, he would talk to other people when I was there and he would be like oh like she's so amazing she does all these things blah 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 and then at home he's like why don't you do this why are you always doing this you suck at this like how come you can't um like whatever do anything like there was a lot of different things and then other times it would he would be like oh like you're so sweet like I don't know what I would do without you like like I love you and and um and like I need you blah 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 And so it was this constant, like, things were never matching up with what he would um, say. And then also they didn't match with how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. So my intuition was going, something's weird here. Like, he's saying this thing and and I actually don't believe him. Like, when he's saying the nice things, Mm -hmm. like, I don't believe him. And so that was kind of when I was putting together the pieces, I kind of looked like, I, I, I looked back and was able to say okay, his intentions behind the nice things were actually also to um, to do something. He was, he was trying to accomplish a goal, which was always to control me, mm-hmm. to undermine me, to um, do those kinds of things. And it was never to support me, to love me, to bring me up, like to, to um, see me thrive and be successful. It was yeah. always to bring me down so that he could be higher. Right. And, and so, um, Christina, my question is... Um, would you say there's a connection with people who like abusers and like narcissism or because I have a, like my experiences is it's similar, but it's different. Right. So I'm just I, I don't know how else to to describe my ex. Right. I think more people these days are talking about narcissism. And I think maybe I'm a little bit cautious to go to that place. Mm-hmm. But I, I, th- I think definitely someone who who is abusing a person abusing a woman i want to go back to what aubrey said is that there is the intention to control and to undermine right the person may come across as being very charming but they generally the person knows what they're doing as 
it, this might be different from um, your question, Stella, mm -hmm. but I wanted to go back to something that you said early, um, Aubrey, Aubrey. And I just wondered when you were hearing those things about yourself, was there ever a time when, you know, you heard the, the were you also then sort of criticized for being too sensitive, for example, when you were being criticized and you were maybe s trying to speak to that, were you then accused of being too sensitive mm -hmm. or making yeah. a big deal out of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I if I had a problem with something and and I and I wanted to voice that opinion about it, he yeah he would say that I was being too sensitive. Um, I was taking it too personal. I needed to mm -hmm. get a thicker skin. Um, yeah, it it somehow always turned around to my issue mm -hmm. and never something that he could take responsibility for, and be like, yes, I did hurt your feelings. <laughs> it would be like, no, you have an issue with the fact that your feelings were hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just to piggyback off what um, Obi just said, and I think that was my biggest issue, one of the big things about my ex, and I'll go back to the narcissism mm -hmm. question again, but the thing is, he always made me feel like I was crazy. It's like, why are you, this is not an issue, it's all in your mind, and he always somehow found a way to turn things completely around, and I'm like, oh my God, like, Am I losing my mind? He really mm -hmm. did make me feel crazy about a lot of things. And in, in the way I would say he was controlling me was he did try to isolate me from people I was close to and people he knew that would tell me the truth. There were just some people he he would just he just felt that these guys aren't good for you. And then he would he would take some things and just completely twist them around. For example, he'll take scripture. It's funny how this man could turn the scripture around to suit whatever he wanted me to believe. And I just believed him, even though it's like, it's clear, it's written and simple. Do not do this. He'll be like, yes, but we can do this. So this is explaining his unending years of unfaithfulness. It was, it was insane. And, you know, and so there was, there was that aspect. And so when I read Aubrey's book, I... It somewhat validated my feelings because I knew that I wasn't I wasn't alone. I wasn't crazy. Somehow people just make you think and sound like you're crazy. But he was he was basically just controlling me. And he kept on saying, I did not have a mind of my own. And oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So I think really what happens then when you're living in that environment day in and day out, it also erodes your self-esteem. It erodes your, your confidence and you begin to doubt and question yourself that much more, right? And then because if you're also being isolated, you don't have other people's perspectives, right? You just yes. have that one person's perspective who happens to be the abuser. Mm -hmm. And and I, I, I like to, I mean, I'm going to liken this to control again because everything I, he didn't want me, he would say, well, you're always talking to your friends. Hey, I have friends, I talk to them. You know, I, I mean, it's what we do, right? But then when I, I didn't think about the control but uh, or the fear, because then there became a, like a spectrum of fear that I didn't even acknowledge at the time. So when um, he comes back or maybe we're not together and he comes back and I'm talking with my friends, I'm like, oh, he's back, I have to hang up now. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when I think, like just a few, honestly, like uh, a week ago, my friend here, my best friend here, we are, uh, Oh my god we talk on the phone all the time it's ridiculous and so she's on the phone with me her husband gets back home and i find that every time that happens i'm like okay so i'll talk to you later and she's like why 
you know, because it's my subconscious that is making me think, well, she has to go. Her husband is back. But she's like, I don't have to go. Like, my husband is back. Life goes on. You know, so it was just this subtle, and I didn't see it as control. I just felt, because he put it to me like, I haven't been with you all day, so I want to spend time with you. But then weren't actually spending time because he's maybe fiddling with it on his iPad or something. So we weren't spending time. It's just now in hindsight, I can see that it's just, that was his way of just keeping me away from people. And just so I was like a tool to serve him and all his needs. And I go back to control, and you know, because he would make me feel like his everything, his emotions and everything was, was more important than anything else I felt. So it was always, it came back to him, mm-hmm. what I could do for him. what mm-hmm. I, And I just didn't understand it. And at the time, I would apologize for it. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean this. Like, why was I apologizing for not wanting to do something he wanted me to do? I, I don't know, but I just felt that I, I had to. <laughs> so, and Ori, I'm sure you have a few, you have a few examples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have the same example. <laughs> like, if I was on the phone and he came home, um, I would have to get off the phone. And usually it would be because I needed to serve him in whatever way and Mm -hmm. I needed to be accessible. And so if I wasn't um, readily available because I was doing something else, um, that was not acceptable to him. And yeah, I apologized for a lot of things Mm. that were not my fault and I didn't need to apologize for, but it was a survival tactic. I had to. Like if you didn't apologize... (laughs) What you're describing is that women then learn how to keep the peace, but it's really about survival and safety, your own safety. And if you have children, then it becomes about the children's safety as well, right? Mm -hmm. I think as I was listening to the two of you, one thing that came to mind, and I don't know how it applies to you, but it has certainly applied to many of the women I have worked with, is they often live as if they're living living, um, on eggshells, right? Yeah. So always there, I think that goes back to mm-hmm. um, Stella, what you said, sort of that fear that one experiences, because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't know when the next criticism will come or mm-hmm. when the next negative comment will be directed at you, right? So yeah. there is fear and you live on eggshells. You, you're always mm-hmm. anticipating that something will happen. Yeah. So um, I, my question to you would be, you know, um, there could be someone listening right now and doesn't know where to start if they wanted to get out of something like this. So where, like, where do you even start? Because it took me, I know it took us both a long time, <laughs> but, you know, now we know. <laughs> so wh- where, where would you start from? Um, I think it has to, it, it comes down to the individual because we all have different experiences and we're all, we all have different things that are going on and different factors and especially if you have kids uh, it's different than if you don't have kids Um, so I think where you start is like with yourself (laughs) like figuring out like what do I actually um, think and what is actually happening Um, because unless you unless you can sort through um, the confusion and the fear and the like feelings and all of the different things you can't make a decision on whether or not you even want to get out or or what you would do if you are going to get out um and so it always has to come down to um like the the individual and what like if it's if it's a female of what she wants to do and how she's feeling about things so i feel like it it can only get it's like getting professional help (laughs) to help you sort through like what actually is it because that's what have that's what helped for me was just 
talking to professionals that understood abuse that could explain it to me that were like this that happened is not okay and this is what it is and um that was the most helpful thing yeah so i'm not sure if that answers the question (laughs) and you know what i'm saying this because there there are a lot of women out there and the the problem with emotional abuse is that it is so hard to even detect Mm -hmm. if it's you know if it's physical abuse you can say hey I have a scar to show for this which is why I love your book did he <laughs> you're like did he did he not is it your mind you know are you going crazy it's it's so hard for a lot of women and is where do you even when do you even know what you're going through it's it's a very precarious place to be in you know it's I I wouldn't even know and I think the first step is being able to talk about it with someone yeah because mm-hmm. if you're not able to talk about this, then you, I think that's the first step to just say, look, I'm feeling. And in my own case, I was, I was so tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was tired of a lot of things. And I'll, I'll give you. Oh my God, I have a lot of stories and examples. And Aubrey and I, we've traded stories before, but mm-hmm. um, so there was when my I have two boys, born on the same day, four years apart. <laughs> I told you this before. So um. So when my older son was born, he loved cars. So he would fall asleep in the car if he was crying. I just need to put him in the car and he'll be fine. Now, my second son was, he was different. He didn't like cars. And so my ex was always abroad. And this was when I was living in Philadelphia. And he would, um, he'd ask me to drive to New Jersey and make a payment for him for his, one of his businesses or like his, you know. And so I would, I would do it, but I have to like figure out, okay, so my older son is in, like preschool now then I'll put the baby in the car and drive and this child could cry for the entire 45 minute drive it was exhausting he was a newborn you know, you know what it is for a mom to just be in a car listen to a child cry you know it's so it was a very stressful situation and I told my ex and somehow he turned it around and said well I don't like to help him that if he asks if I ask him to do anything he does it without thinking but then he asked me to do this one thing and I'm like, it's not even about me. It's about this child. Like, is there no other way? Like, are there like can you not think of something? But you know what? I kept on doing it because he was he was so mad. Like he would be upset if I didn't do it. And um I think it was um Fourth of July two thousand maybe seventeen or eighteen and I was, you know, he had a list of errands for me because he used to send me an errand, you know, he was in he would maybe be in Nigeria or in England, and I'm in the States. And I was like, oh, I need to do this and this. And and I noticed that every time a text from him came, it was an errand. And I said to him, I said, hey, how about, like, how are you? Like, how are the kids? Like, why is it always an errand with you? And maybe he told me some story. And I said, well, um, and I was going away um, to, I think, Poconos with my family friends. And, and she's like, well, you're not going anywhere for this man today, you know? And I said, okay, I, I'm not going to go. And I told him, I said, hey, so we're going here. So I can't make it to, I think it was like co-part or something. I was going to go pay for a part or something. I don't remember. He said, well, you can Google another like branch near Poconos Mountains. I'm like, oh my goodness, you can't even, like there is no getting away from this man. Like every time, there, there was no getting away. There, he would always find a way to bring it back to him. And I think that was, so I think like, going like going through this over and over you get to a point where you're so exhausted Mm -hmm. and I think 
for me, it's that exhaustion that drove me because I have a friend who had been telling me for years, one of the ones that he doesn't like, of course, <laughs> who had been saying, this isn't normal. Like, I don't think you should be in this. And I think I, 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 I always listened to her, but I, my biggest fear was how I was going to go and live with my son, you know, being a single parent. It, at the time, it was daunting. It was the worst thing in the world. And so I didn't know how I was going to just take that first step and walk away and live my life. So I think that's a, so I, I hear you, Aubrey, but if you're exhausted that way, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think Stella, as I listen to you, I think if we have that friend who is really noticing the changes in mm -hmm. us, maybe that, that's a good time for us to maybe step back and really listen to that person. Mm -hmm. and to start taking sort of an inventory of what has changed, what has remained the same, and then hopefully seek out a professional. Maybe, I don't know how you started, Stella, but maybe and starting out with a counselor mm -hmm. where you also then have the opportunity to learn about the different types of abuse and to also learn about what healthy relationships look like, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then there are also programs um, for women if they do need to flee um, a, a relationship mm -hmm. that they can access as well. So I think it would be helpful to have you know, a family member, a close friend that one can trust and also seek the help of, of a counselor if that's possible. Yeah, I, I guess that is possible. But the, I, I'm, And I say this because I know myself and I know my friend had been talking to me for years. I think you have to get to that point yourself. Mm -hmm. Like people would keep talking and mm -hmm. talking and talking, but until you get to that breaking point when you realize that, well, this isn't normal, I'm not happy, this is not what, like you said, a healthy relationship should look like. You know, until you get to that point, you it's, it's hard. Well, I think because people don't go into a relationship thinking that they will be abused, or you will be unhappy. Think people go into a relationship with goals and wishes, mm -hmm. right? And so, and because they love the person, so while there might be abuse in the relationship, but it also it's difficult to walk away from the person that you loved and that you had um, dreams with and that yeah. you had plans with. So it, it does take time and it does mean that people have to be ready and it is complex. There's so many factors to consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and Aubrey, in your case, you, you're actually remarried? Yes. So I there did. is hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I mean, like, hope. tell us about that story. I mean, how did you, because a lot of women find it difficult to trust again yeah. or to even, to trust themselves, to trust someone because it's almost like, you failed yourself by not seeing this, right? So it's like, yeah. how do you trust yourself? And then how do you trust that the other person, how do you even trust another man or another person in an intimate relationship? Like, Yeah, I think that's, it, it comes down to like working on yourself and, and making the steps to um, heal from what happened. Um, mm. And like in some ways eliminate the vulnerabilities that you have to it happening again. Um, by being aware. Um, I've seen too many people that I know um, walk from one abusive relationship to another um, because they haven't like sorted through like the 
the issues. They haven't figured out what is a normal relationship or mm-hmm. like healthy relationship and yeah. then what is a not healthy relationship. And because they haven't figured out the difference, um, they've gone from one type of abuser to another. Um, and so I feel like for me, it was uh, it was a lot of like healing Mm-hmm. Um, from what I went through and and learning to trust myself and I'm still on that journey <laughs> like <laughs> absolutely that's still still I still struggle with a lot of things that are um, that have like like anxiety and depression um, from being in an abusive relationship and so that's still something that is with me and but learning to heal from what happened to me and putting uh, names to things, um, learning how to identify the particular behaviors of not being okay, um, uh, learning how different people use like guilt and anger mm-hmm. and sadness to control you, um, learning to figure out how that happens in a relationship was very helpful for me to be able to trust again because I could then see, okay, like my my husband he does not do these things <laughs> his yeah. intention is not um it's always for me mm-hmm. whereas my ex it was always against me yeah. it was always like him against the world and um if you're not there to serve him like get out of the way um and so there was there was a complete um change in in that and and also how I felt like I still had a lot of triggers there was many things that triggered me um and then sorting through those and figuring out whether or not um is this trigger because this this person that I'm now with is doing the same exact thing as what I experienced or is it uh, is it triggered because something similar happened but this person has a different intention than than my ex did um, and that's that's really where it came down to because my husband doesn't try to control me. He yeah. wants what's best for me. And if mm-hmm. I say like, hey, this is like not working. How can we make this work? Or like what? Like, um, like I don't know, even just for something simple, like like today, I'm like, I'm, I'm coming here to do a podcast. Is it okay if I, um, like if you stay with, with our daughter <laughs> and, and I go out? And he's like, oh yeah, that works. Whereas where, where my ex would have been like, well, like he, he, it just wouldn't have worked. Like he would yeah. have been like, well, you're not caring about me and what I need. Mm-hmm. And like, where's the, like, whatever. It would have been a bunch of things and it would have been a huge fight to be able to leave. And it was just like, no, he was like, he'll make it work. And if, and if, um, yeah. And so if my husband is, is something is wrong, like, and he's like, oh, well, oh, I have something on, then we would try to compromise and make yeah. it work because yeah. how we're operating is as a team because both of us are for the other. When you are with somebody who has an abusive belief system, they think that only one of you can win, um, only one of you can be in charge, only one of you can yeah. dictate what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so they think that if it's not them, then you're trying to do that. And so kind of figuring out that difference and how that plays out in a healthy relationship versus yeah. an unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. really helped me to be able to know, can I trust this person? Um, or not mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think that's very important what you said there is to learn how to trust right and that involves a lot of work and also involves recognizing certain triggers being aware of you know what we call sort of red flags mm-hmm. that we often just we recognize things we have you know our intuition tells us that th- something doesn't feel right yeah. or seem right and we often ignore it right mm-hmm. but I think um, Aubrey as you were speaking to what 
uh, stood out for me was that in this uh, current relationship that you're in, it doesn't sound as if you have to ask permission to do things. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's more of a reciprocal <laughs> relationship where there's communication. It's like, this is my plan for today. What is yours? How can we make this happen so we can mm -hmm. both benefit, right? Mm -hmm. So Yeah, um, exactly. Mm -hmm. And what that's something my friend always says to me. She, she says, like when you're dating and courting someone, you know, people say things, but she said, listen to the things they are not saying. And I find myself applying that to a lot of things, not just, you know, in, in, in regular friendships and, you know, all of that. But, you know, back to people going back into like dating and trusting again, there's something Aubrey said to me, I don't know if you you probably do. She said, I said, um, so how did you know you, you could marry your husband? It's a very, you know, and do you remember what you said to me? No, I don't. <laughs> she said, because I knew I could break up with him. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She said, do you want to touch on that or do you want me to? Because I can, I can relate and I can explain, you know, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like what I, like, I felt in control. Like, I felt like my life, I was making choices and, and, uh, and I could make the choice to leave and it would be okay. And, and, um. Like obviously not emotionally okay, but yeah. like it, just the the piece that was so different with my ex is that I felt like I could never leave, absolutely not, and it was just I I was afraid. Um, there was lots of things that went into it, but it was just like I could just I couldn't leave. There was there was because of everything and because of who he was, I couldn't leave. And yeah, with with my husband now, I I feel I felt like when we were dating, I could leave at any time. And he wouldn't try to destroy me afterwards. He would just be like, he would just be devastated. He would be super upset about it, yeah. obviously. But he wouldn't, um, it wouldn't be turned around to like take me down. Whereas yeah. with my ex, that's exactly what I knew would happen. <laughs> and th I can speak to that. Um, and when I was dating my ex in 2011, I, I broke up with him. Again, I was living in England at the time. I came to visit this same friend who he doesn't like. And she was living in Ontario at the time. And so she, you know, it was that moment where she said, look, listen, let me tell you the truth about all of these things. And she did talk to me. And I saw what she was saying temporarily. And I broke up with him. And he was so angry that I found myself begging him. Mm. Like in, right now, it makes no sense. And so when I was planning on leaving him again, um, and it's funny because my friend had, she hadn't pointed this out to me clearly, like the way Aubrey articulated it to me. And I was like, well, this makes perfect sense. And when I was going to leave him the second time with my kids, finally, I wasn't going to have a civil conversation and say, I'm leaving. I was going to run away and I did run away. <laughs> and I remember the night that he, um, he found out he we were in Philly, you know, I would, I do everything for the kids. He has no interest in, he can't change a diaper. It's my job to do everything. You know, if I say I'm going to the store, watch the kid for me, he'll freak out like, why? You know, just take the baby with you, you know, you know anyway. And so that, um, that day he came back from Dallas or Houston, maybe Dallas. And then he, it was night, I don't know, maybe like 1 a.m. He woke me up and he said, let's talk. And I'm like, I can't have a talk right now. I have to be up at five o'clock. I have to, you know, do my morning routine. 
you know, pray, get the kids ready. I have to be at work by eight o'clock. My son had to be at school by like 7.45, drop the baby at the daycare, you know, and I would do all those things by myself, unassisted. And he wasn't working because he's a businessman and he does things abroad and all that. So when he's at home, he's not really waking up to do any, you know, physical work or go to work. And so I tried to, I was like, look, let's talk about this like tomorrow. Because I honestly, you know, when you're sleeping and you don't want to like fully wake up. So this was me trying to like, oh, we'll talk tomorrow. And he wasn't having it. He kept on like waking me up and waking me up and pulling me up. And it got to a point where he started to pull me up like a rag doll, like get up. You know, he pulled the covers and he sat me up and I knew it was a lost battle. So I sat up and he said, let's talk about us. And I said, oh my goodness. I said, this is my problem. You're the most selfish person on the face of this planet. You went away on a trip. I'm still recovering from a surgery. And then you've come back. You've decided you want to have a talk now because it is when you want to have this talk. You're not considering the fact that we have like two young children that I have to wake up, take care of them, go to work, you know, the whole words. And and then he just wouldn't stop urging me and just asking me about things. And he said, look, if you want to leave me, just let me know. And I said, oh, this is the, like, that was the opening. And I said, yes. And he changed. I could see the 360. He was like, what? And I said, oh, no, I'm just, like, saying if that's what you... <laughs> I was so scared. And I'd never seen him like that. You know, that rage, I could see it. And somehow you know things got out of hand he seized my phone apparently he saw a chat that I was planning to leave him and that was what triggered the episode that night and he seized my phone and I asked him to give him my phone back and he said well everything you have I gave you I'm like please I'm still paying on my credit card for that phone I pay for it every month this is not one of your properties that you think you own like this is my phone he seized my phone, he seized my laptop, you know, and he said he wanted to go through everything on my phone because he knew there was more stuff and he knew that all he had to do was look at the chat between my friend, my sister, and then he'll get all the whole gist. And he, we had, this went on and on till almost 4 a.m. in the morning, you know. So I, I knew that this isn't healthy. This man, I had to hold my baby at the time. I held onto him like, as human shield because I'm thinking well you can't push me when I'm holding a child right so I was really scared I threatened to call 911 and he smashed the house phone uh, after all of these things happened can you believe that this man told my mom he somehow turned it around and and I'm like how is this even possible like how do you explain your irrational behavior and you're turning it around and blaming me it's it's ridiculous so and and so when Aubrey said when she knew she could leave him I, I could identify with that. Like when you can tell someone that this isn't working, I need to be apart or away from you and they wouldn't go crazy. Right. And where you, you don't have to fear for your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is, that is definitely, <laughs> yeah, that is definitely something. So, I mean, um, it's, it's been a long journey, but ultimately if, if I could break free and survive, so can anybody else you know you just have to find that strength within you and find someone you trust and and talk to and Aubrey I can't even tell you what your book did <laughs> I love it and so we're, we're also giving away free copies of Aubrey's book it's titled did he hit you you can get it for a friend or someone you know 
who needs this? You'll need to contact Joanne McKinley at the YWCA here in uh, downtown Vancouver. You can reach her at her email, singlemothers at ywcaband.org, or call her on uh, her cell, 604-219-8952. I got mine from Amazon. You can get yours, too. <laughs> so uh, thank you again, Aubrey and Christina, for being a part of this, and thank you to every single person listening to this. Please share this podcast with as many people and trust that it will get to someone who needs this to arise and break free. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.